Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. The context is the Lord has ascended to heaven and sent back the Holy Spirit, and the early believers were filled with the power to be bold witnesses and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus everywhere they went. They were daily having fellowship house to house and teaching and preaching and even going to the temple to pray and have meetings in some of the various locations in the temple. One day, Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray and a lame man was there begging who had been begging there for 38 years from birth and he was gloriously healed. And his testimony of his healing began to spread the gospel and cause the authorities great concern. If you remember, not too many days previously, they had tried to wipe out Christianity by crucifying the Son of God on the cross. To their dismay, the tomb came up empty. And then there were reports of his appearances for 40 days and then reports of his ascending to heaven and then the reports of this Holy Spirit coming and now people are getting way out of control. We tried to wipe it out and look what's happening. And so they arrested Peter and John. We'll break into the story here, Acts 4, verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And if the church in that day was like church in our day, the women are going to outnumber the men. So the church could have been 12,000 members by this time. Who knows? Explosive Verse 5, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, there he is again, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set him in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed, done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is, and then he quotes a prophecy, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. That's Jesus' Native American name, chief cornerstone. Verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed Standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Now think about it. The whole city's seen this guy. He's been there begging for 38 years. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. 
So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Verse 24, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So he was over 38. And being let go, they went to their companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people's plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Let's pray. Lord, help me, Lord, to deliver what you would have me to say. Nothing more and nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago, my wife and I were privileged to be able to go to Galveston and stay for a few days. Who's been to Galveston? Galveston's a wonderful place. I knew about it from that Glenn Campbell song, you know, Galveston, oh, Galveston. When you go there, though, don't take your scuba gear. Not that I do that. Don't take your snorkel. It's, you know, the water is just apparently prime water for oysters, but not good for snorkeling can't see through it but it's a great place the beach is fun and there's history there there's a little shopping district and all that stuff it's a great place and so we were enjoying ourselves just getting some rest and one morning I woke up and it was as though these words were suspended in midair right in front of my face just kind of I was sitting up in the bed and they were just there I just knew they were there and the words were harness the power of testimonies I never forgot that experience and endeavor to do a few things here and there to do that. But it's still, it's still burning in my heart. So I want to lay that word on you to harness the power of your testimony. Now, your testimony is more than just how you got saved. But it's your story of your whole life. Even before you got saved, of how maybe your life was spared, or maybe you were healed, or some great thing. And since you've been saved, how the Lord restored you and walked you through a hard time. That is a story that is part of His story. It's part of history that we don't need to let go of. We need to hold on to it, because God uses stories to spread 
His gospel. Marietta eloquently shared the gospel with us today by utilizing part of history for context of how awesome this is that God sent His Son to die in our place so we wouldn't have to self-destruct to avoid whatever we would fear. And so in your testimony sharing, there is power. I want to encourage you to value the things that God has done in your life so much that you record it, that you not go to the grave and that your grave be another place of untapped testimonies. There's power in your story. The world loves stories, especially true ones. Who knew reality TV would become what it is? I know a lot of it's just a joke, but a lot of it's the real thing. People want to see real stuff. And you and I who've been through real stuff, we've got a story to tell. And so that's my purpose today in relating to you this sermon, Harnessing the Power of Your Testimony. But before I do, I want to review last Sunday's sermon. Last Sunday we reviewed a bit of Greg's sermon on the story of the children of Israel crossing over the Jordan and making two stacks of rocks as memorials, one in the Jordan and one at their first campsite after crossing through the Jordan to remind them of God stopping up the water in the Jordan so they could walk across dry ground and also to remind them of God parting the waters of the Red Sea. And between those two glorious events were the horrible wilderness years, but God brought them through and they were now in their promised land and they were to point to those rocks when children asked, children yet to come, what do these rocks mean? They were to tell them the story. But did they do it? No, it wasn't many centuries before Israel was conquered The kingdom was split and God's people were scattered because they failed to hold on to their testimonies. History repeats itself because one generation fails to convey its history to the next one. And I know history can be boring, but if it's taught by somebody that loves history, it's not boring. And so by all means, do not minimize your story. Every single part of it is important. So last Sunday we taught on relating our testimonies and we shared several things about relating our testimonies. Relating our testimonies helps us to teach the generations to come. Just helps us. It gives content. It illustrates truth. You don't just tell your kids, don't do that, but you tell them why. See this scar? I touched a hot stove and I was told not to. That kind of thing. Relating our testimonies helps us remember what God has done. Many times we're remembering what we should forget and we're forgetting what we should be remembering. Forget what your enemy's done, but don't forget what God has done. Relating our testimonies helps us utilize our memories for good. A memory is a precious thing. You don't have it, it's pretty bad. Yvette's mother lived with us for a couple years, experiencing the first stages of Alzheimer's. And let me tell you, it's downright dangerous to not have a memory. She'd turn stoves on and leave them on. She'd walk out the door thinking she was going to walk to her house. And she was from Zimbabwe. Just take off walking down the road. So memory is very important. Without one, we would lose everything, including ourselves. Without a memory, we would not have sustained relationships. Without a memory, we're in danger of being harmed. Without using our memory, we lose reasons for having joy. Use your memory for good. Recently, we celebrated the homegoing of Ed Durning. 
90 years old. Awesome testimony his life was. Ed never stopped learning till the day he died. Had a memory that wouldn't quit. Why? Because he never stopped using it. Don't stop using your memory. Don't let your television do all the thinking for you. Oh, but I love amusement. You know what amuse means? The word muse means to think. Amuse means not to think. God gave you a brain. Let's use it for good. Relating our testimonies helps us encourage ourselves and others. David faced Goliath by remembering the lion and the bear. And that gave him courage to face that giant. Every time we sing the Star-Spangled Banner, we are reciting a story that happened in 1812 during that war when Britain came back over here wanting to recolonize us. And when it looked like all hope was lost in the middle of the night, as the dawn began to rise, the banner was still waving. And that American poet on the deck of a British prison ship wrote the poem that became our national anthem. We remind ourselves of things that encourage us. Relating our testimony helps us overcome the accuser. Revelation 12.11 says they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. We overcome the enemy of our souls through the blood. The price has been paid. We were guilty. He took our guilt. And we overcome him by the word of our testimony, loving not our lives even unto death. That is, being bold, if it takes our life, we're not going to stop testifying. The word for word of our testimony is a word logos, which means a message. It means to speak. It means communication. It means to preach. It means to utter. Through the uttering of our testimony, we overcome the accuser. So don't let him shut you up. Relating our testimonies helps us defeat arguments. People can argue about theology all day long and hash out and debate over concepts. But you tell them your experience, they might belittle you, but they can't argue with it. It's a powerful weapon. And it can keep you from getting sucked into arguing and just meaningless controversy. And relating our testimonies helps us to continue our mission. Peter and John told those authorities, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We're not going to lie and we're not going to hush. We're going to testify. This lame man had a testimony and they had a testimony. I mean, it was in the courtyard of one of those guys. Peter, just a few weeks earlier, was denying that he even knew the Lord. And relating our testimonies helps us harness important power. So springing from this list, we're going into today's sermon, harnessing our testimonies. Before I get into that, I want to read something a pastor by the name of David Stone said. He said, the ability to tell your story is perhaps the most effective means of outreach. Why? Because our culture craves stories. 
In fact, our need for story is downright physiological. We can't sleep without dreaming, and we dream in stories. When you tuck your children in bed or your grandchildren for a nap, what's the last thing they say? Tell me a story. They love it. It's the bait on the gospel hook. So to harness our testimonies, there's several things we need to do. Number one is to tune. Tune our testimony. That means to be free from embellishing. If you embellish your testimony, what does it do? Turns it into a lie. Robs it of its power. The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help to put a spin on it. There was a Christian comedian named Mike Warnke. Became well-known in the early 80s. Very funny man. But he began to tell his testimony during his appearances. And this testimony grew and grew and grew till it was just a total lie. Every time he told it, it just got bigger and bigger. And he got exposed, and it was a very embarrassing thing, and shut him down. And now he travels around the world being funny but teaching people not to lie. In 1969, my father became a pastor of a wild Pentecostal church in Bloomington, Illinois. Wonderful people. They loved Jesus. And they had the traditional testimony service. Who's ever been to a church that had testimony service? They usually had them on Wednesday night and Sunday nights, not much on Sunday morning. They would stand up and just declare something good that God has done for them. My dad began to be aware that the stories, some of them were growing. And he began to tell us kids, his children, and said, man, I think our testimony is a contest. Can you top this? I'll give you an example. Brother Franks, he's gone on to meet the Lord, but one time he stood up. I'll try to mimic him a little bit without embellishing. I feel God in this place tonight. He would hold a chair in front of him. I feel God in this place tonight. The only thing I've ever felt that ever felt like what I feel here tonight is a time I went down in my diving bell under the surface of the ocean so deep, the pressure got so great that my blood ran backwards. (laughs) After a year or so, my dad discontinued the testimony service. Just a little embellishing going on. Can you top this? We need to tune our testimonies by improving our communication skills. Improve our communication skill. We all have room for improvement. So as a preacher, I constantly try to improve myself and and avail myself by going for training here and there. And I've been to three different Bible schools. Out of all the training I have, I must say, the most important class I ever attended, and I believe everybody needs to attend one, is speech class. Where you do impromptu speeches, you know, in two minutes you've got to get and speak on this subject. Because one of the number one fears people have is public speaking. So I want to challenge you to seriously consider what I'm saying here today. It will help you in your career as well as help you in sharing your testimony. Take a speech class. Take a speech. Oh, I want to go to Bible school. Get you a good study Bible, a good one. And take a speech class. And you'd be a whole lot further on down the road. It's true. It's true. 
At least do that. Don't beat yourself up that, you know, God told you when you were 13 to go to Bible school and you haven't done it yet and you're 67. Just take a speech class. Work on improving your communication because your testimony is important. You're important. Tune up your testimony. No, don't embellish it, but improve your ability to communicate. Second point in harnessing our testimonies is walking. Our lives speak. You testify of the goodness of Jesus, but you're rude to the waitress. We testify all the time. Our lives are testimonies. St. Francis said, preach the gospel everywhere, and when necessary, use words. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul wrote, you are our epistle, that is our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. My dad used to tell me, boy, people will either read your life and open their Bible, or they will read your life and close their Bible. So our testimony is one that just isn't speaking, but it's walking. Our testimony also is talking. Between walking and talking, speaking, conversing, discussing, you have something to say that is worthy of being said. Maybe you were raised in a home that taught children were made to be seen and not heard. If you're raised like that, when do you cross the threshold where suddenly what you have to say matters? I know there's a time to be quiet and a time to speak and children need to be taught that. But just to Shut a kid down just because he's small or he's young, because he's unworthy. and That is a gift passed down from generation to generation by people who do not believe the things they have to say matter, so you must shut up so they can talk and you don't have a chance to talk. And so the gift gets passed on from generation to generation. What you don't have to say matter. They need to be listened to. And what you have to say matters. So Lord, help us to forgive our forefathers that maybe unintentionally shut us down and developed an inferiority complex that made us pipsqueaks when God gave you a mouth for a reason. He gave us two ears and one mouth, which means we should listen twice as much as we speak, but we should still speak. Talking, we have all means of technology for talking. There's recordings you can make, telephoning, broadcasting. Get your testimony out there. Tony Walker is fired up for Jesus. He's got two hours on the Granbury Station testifying and interviewing people. So get to know him and share your testimony with him. Peter and John once again said, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Somebody said, silence is golden, but sometimes it's just plain yellow. Face your fears and tell somebody. Another way of harnessing our testimonies is through writing, journaling. As you write out your story, it'll help you convey it more easily. 
send that story around the world with emails. You know, if you love Jesus, forward this to 13 people. Do something like that. And tell your story. There's all means of communicating in our day and time. Artistically, there's poetry, there's lyrics, there's rants, there's raps, there's laments. Get the word out however you can, whatever means God has gifted you for communicating. There's blogging, there's social media, Facebook, Twitter, authoring books. No generation has the ability to communicate testimonies like ours have. None. I mentioned this last week. Let me mention it again. CreateSpace.com Somehow they're connected to Amazon. Where anyone can write a book. Enter it there and edit it. You know, write it up first on your computer and then go to CreateSpace, set up an account and enter it onto their pages, create your cover and publish it. And you buy them a case at a time. A friend of mine just did a 160-page book. He said a case of books cost around $3 each. Now, he's doing it to sell and give them away or whatever. The point is, it's through Amazon, so you can market the book online and not have to buy cases of books for everybody you're going to sell the book to. Amazon takes care of the selling for you. Get the word out. Your story is important. And fifthly, we harness our testimonies by expressing, getting the word out. Maybe it's a billboard, it's art, a song, a dance, painting, sculpting. Who knows? Maybe your testimony will be a movie one day. If there are sinners here today looking for God, I want you to raise your hands. Come on, raise them up high to heaven. Raise your hands and stand up. Come on now. Stand up. Receive Jesus Christ as your light and your Savior. Stand up. Brother, I see you. I see that look of doubt in your eye. I know you're thinking, I'm just too dirty a sinner. He can't forgive me. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. You just knock and be received. Come on now. Stand up. Come on home to Jesus. Yes. Stand up. We're going to wash away our sins in the blood of the Lamb. We're going to baptize right now. Come on down. Come on down right now. Come on down. Everybody, come on down here. Yeah. Come on down right inside. Praise be to God. We're going to save some folks tonight. Yes, come on down there. Come on, brother. We're going to save you now. Come on in. Yes, I want you to cross your arms here. Cross your arms. Yes, sir. Upon your confession of faith and your obedience to the word of God regarding his death, burial, and resurrection, I do indeed baptize you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's not a child's movie, so I can't recommend it, but I just share it to illustrate the fact this guy was a thug, and he got saved, wound up going to Sudan rescuing orphans and rescuing child soldiers from thugs over there. 
and using a machine gun in the process and establishing an orphanage that I believe exists to this day, as well as planning a church here in this country. And now his testimony is a movie. And uh, that's just a clip from the day he got saved. What if he didn't talk about what he was doing in Sudan? Somebody caught news of it. The word got out. Finally, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples couldn't have done it. And we can't do it with technology alone. Or motivational speeches alone like I'm trying to deliver today to get us off of our blessed assurance into the amazing grace of communicating our testimonies. Holy Spirit can help us. Raise your hands. The position of receiving. I just want to ask the Lord to fill us with boldness. And to pray this prayer that they prayed. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who by the mouth of your servant David has said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look at all the things we're afraid of. And grant to us, your servants, that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and enable us to speak the word of God with boldness. Boldness that overcomes inferiority. Boldness that overcomes shyness and intimidation. Boldness that overcomes fear. Boldness that overcomes the temptation to stretch the truth. Boldness that overcomes the accuser of the brethren. Thank you, Lord. We've been made worthy to be bold. And that your spirit enables us to be bold. And so right now we receive the spirit of God to make us bold, to share your story with our story everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. I'm going to send you out in the name of the Lord and charge you to be bold and to trust Him to use you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace and fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit every day. In Jesus' name, lead each of us to someone today to share our story with. Amen.
Testimony, everyone, everyone over.